All right. Well, welcome back to Success Quest. Become your best self and join the revolution to success. I'm super excited today because I am with David Modell, and he has a pretty impressive portfolio. He's a chief analyst and researcher at the Portfolio Wealth Global. He's a YouTuber, and his YouTube channel, which is called Looking at the Markets, actually has over 44,000 subscribers. And he's also a podcaster. Welcome, David. How are you doing today? Yeah, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate you bringing me on to the program. Uh, I'm a fan and looking forward to <laughs> wherever this goes today. Well, thank you. And we, we usually like to just kind of start by hearing a little bit of your story, learning a little bit about you. So um, what's your story, David? Where did you come from and how did you get where you are? Sure. Well, I am a school teacher. Uh, this is a long time ago, but I used to teach fifth grade, uh, 10 and 11-year-olds. I did that for a while, and I, I have a master's degree in education, and I've also taught uh, English at the high school level, English composition at the college level. Uh, so I'm an educator originally by profession, uh, but I've also been in the investing and financial business for a long time. Uh, Back in the 1980s, and yes, I'm, I'm getting up there in age, <laughs> but uh, back in the 1980s, my father, who is now 85 years old and is still my mentor in finance, uh, taught me the basics of how to invest, uh, just simply buying stocks, um, which is the, one of the easiest entry points to investing. And uh, I was a teenager. I was like 18 or something like that. And um, he really helped me to get into the habit of the Warren Buffett type of strategy, uh, buy low and hold and then eventually sell or maybe don't sell because Warren Buffett, people may, maybe don't know, Warren Buffett is a very famous investor, uh, possibly the best in the world. Uh, he's a, one of the richest people in the world. And uh, his idea is to wait until everybody's freaking out and panicking, and that's when you buy great companies at a good price. Hmm. Uh, so I learned those concepts from my father, uh, and that has stood me in good stead. Uh, and I've combined that, uh, the financial ideas, with uh, my passion for teaching. I don't teach fifth grade or high school or college anymore. Uh, but now I'm able to educate people about finance uh, through my YouTube channel, which everybody is uh, invited to come visit. Uh, you just go to YouTube and you type in David Modell, M-O-A-D-E-L, into that little search box thingy. And uh, you'll see that uh, I have over 500 videos available on all different sorts of topics. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced uh, there's something to be gained and there's always something to be learned. And so uh, that's how I'm helping people now. I'm also a financial writer uh, for such websites as InvestorPlace.com, MarketRealist.com, TalkMarkets.com, CrushTheStreet.com. And I also do some analysis for PortfolioWealthGlobal.com. So I wear a lot of hats. I'm part of the American gig economy, you could say, and uh, <laughs> I've got a lot of gigs going on, but that's okay. I like staying busy. 
Yeah, I do too. So I completely understand that. Um, before we jump into investing, which I really, really want to talk to you about, um, let's talk a little bit about teaching school, being a high school teacher and a fifth grade teacher. Actually, funny enough, I'm also a educator by trade. I got my degree in Spanish and computer science teaching. Not using it, though. <laughs> I'm actually mm. working in IT and obviously podcasting and doing a bunch of other things on the side. So what made you want to get into education and what made you leave? Was it just that you became so successful with investing you wanted to dedicate full time or what's the story there? Yeah, I got into education uh, almost not by choice. It's just something I naturally have had a propensity for. Even mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I was always helping other kids uh, with their lessons uh, because the teacher can't be everywhere at all times to help right. people, uh, which I found out later as a teacher. <laughs> and and they, they gave me 30 plus kids sometimes, students, uh, you know, in, in a classroom. Uh, so I was able to help people and just had a desire to do that. Even when I was a kid, nobody had to instill that in me. I, I just always was like that. Um, and so it was a natural progression for me to get into teaching fifth grade. Uh, there is still a need for male teachers at the yeah. elementary school level. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that age group, um, fifth grade, they're, they're not so young, uh, but not too old either. It, it was just right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they, they can uh, work on their own, uh, and yet they're still young enough not to be too disrespectful or unruly. Yeah. So it's uh, fifth grade was really great, 10 and 11 years old. Uh, I did that for, for a number of years. Um, and then it just moved on to high school. And I taught at some career colleges and that was really great as well. Um, and I taught English composition. So I've always had a, a proclivity for writing and, and just I really appreciate the, you know, the written word. Uh, so uh, I'm able to uh, express my views uh, on finance to many, many people that way, as well as my YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. uh, because people have told me throughout the years that I have a knack for being able to break down complex concepts, whether it's in mm -hmm. finance or elsewhere, and really make them understandable. Uh, and so I, I endeavored to do that when I was teaching kids, when I was teaching them about fractions and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and now I, I try to um, instill those ideas, those great, long-standing, time-tested investing principles that come through me from uh, you know Warren Buffett and my father and the investing greats like uh, John C. Bogle, uh, Charlie Munger, people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully, uh, by telling people not how to invest, I can I never tell people what to do, but mm -hmm. at least I can give them some guideposts, some ideas that can help them, uh, so they're not alone. You don't have to be alone in this. Uh, if if you are going to invest have a mentor. It doesn't have to be me, but it has to be somebody who has a good track record, mm -hmm. somebody who's good at not just finance, but also at uh, teaching, at conveying ideas effectively, and someone you can trust. And hopefully I'm able to fulfill all those roles for a lot of people. Right. Right. And I can see how teaching would definitely transfer well into the YouTubing space. Um, I mean, 
YouTube is blown up and there's so many people making livings on YouTube. But I think that that skill of being able to connect with people is super important. And it's something that that you definitely could probably help with your YouTube channel. So, yeah, absolutely. YouTube has been just a great vehicle, a great avenue for me to reach people. Uh, it it's worldwide. I mean, before the internet, before YouTube, uh, I can't imagine how I would have reached, uh, well, thousands and thousands of people, you know, I've got millions of yeah. views, millions of hits on my, uh, my YouTube channel, which I started back in June of 2016. So I've been doing this for a while now and I, I get emails every single day. In fact, hmm. I'll go ahead email address right now if people want to contact me uh, because I do offer coaching uh, either on Skype or over the phone sometimes. Again, you got to have a mentor. I don't want you to jump into uh, any financial endeavor. I don't want you to jump into investing, whether it's uh, you're interested in stocks or bonds, gold, silver, Bitcoin, whatever it is that you want to invest in. I want you to have somebody you can trust, you can guide you because so many people lose money because they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a fantasy that investing is easy, but if you don't know what you're doing, then losing money is easy, not making money. Right. So uh, my email address is David Modell, D-A-V-I-D-M-O-A-D-E-L at gmail.com. Uh, and I invite people to uh, shoot me an email and uh, let me know how I can assist you along with viewing my uh, YouTube videos. If you're not interested in paid coaching, you can always watch my videos. They're free to watch right now. And like I said, over 500 on, of them on almost every imaginable uh, financial topic you can think of. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put your email and also the YouTube channel in the show notes too. So if you're listening, just go ahead in your podcast app, go into the show notes and the, that information will be right there. So let's jump a little bit into investing, David. I mean, here on Success Quest, we're all about becoming successful in all aspects of life. And one of those is obviously finances. I mean, that's a huge part of life. Without money, we can't do anything. Uh, people say that money doesn't buy happiness, but... I mean, it definitely is still important. And so it's important to be able to learn how to invest. So let's first start with the basics and then maybe we can get a little more advanced. But what would you tell someone who's maybe never invested a dime in their life? What's kind of the first piece of advice that you would give them? Sure. Well, you want to have your eggs in many baskets. That's a concept known as diversification. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard horror stories about people who mortgaged <laughs> their house to buy Bitcoin or something like that. Oh. And if you've never heard of Bitcoin, it's just uh, a new type of currency that's outside of any government. And so mm -hmm. it's speculative, though. I believe in it long term, uh, but you don't want to put all of your money into one thing. Uh, right. People, uh, There's actually a, a, a news story of somebody who mortgaged his house uh, to buy this speculative asset uh, and since then the value has gone down considerably oh, and no. it's probably in some trouble. Uh, right. So you'd want to have many different types of uncorrelated asset classes in your portfolio. And by portfolio, I mean just uh, whatever it is that you own that you think is going to appreciate or grow in value. Uh, so you can have stocks, but you can have other things. For example, you can also have some gold and silver. <clears throat> 
uh, maybe, yes, some cryptocurrency, some Bitcoin, that's fine as well. Uh, that way, if, uh, if you just had one thing, then if it crashes, then you could be in trouble financially. Mm -hmm. But if you have many different types of uncorrelated things, uh, then you might be okay. That softens the blow. And by uncorrelated, I'm t what I mean is these asset classes that you invest in, they don't all go down or up together. All right. So if one thing, one asset crashes, the others won't necessarily go along with it. Okay. They're, they're separate. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, just because the stock market crashes doesn't mean gold and silver, for example, will, or something like that. Right. Okay. Uh, doesn't mean that bonds will go down with them. Uh, in fact, a lot of people diversify between stocks and bonds or stocks and gold and silver, whatever, uh, because they're uncorrelated. Uh, in fact, that was, demonstrated uh, in numerous stock market crashes, which do happen about mm -hmm. once every 10 years or so. So don't right. think that just because uh, stocks, yes, uh, stocks are great. You can invest in Apple, you can invest in Microsoft. These are great companies, but the stock market, it moves in waves. It moves in cycles. You're mm -hmm. going to have booms, but you're also going to have busts. And so that brings me to the next principle, which is you got to ride the wave. You got to buy when there's a bust. You don't buy high, <laughs> you buy low and sell high. Mm -hmm. All right. And so that means that when a going back to buying great companies, and it doesn't have to be a company, like I said, could be gold and silver, which is a commodity, uh, or it could be a currency, uh, real estate, bonds, whatever it is, but you want to buy. Not when everybody else has already bought. You don't want to buy on hype and hoopla and hope. You want to buy when a good asset, one that is likely to come back, in your opinion, has gone down. You want to mm. buy when it's, uh, there's an old saying, buy when there's blood on the streets. I know that's violent sounding, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but when, when people are panicking, see, if you had bought, uh, the S&P 500, which is a basket of uh, the most popular stocks, the biggest companies, Apple, Microsoft, mm -hmm. Disney, McDonald's, they're all in the S&P 500. That's short for standard and poor's 500 biggest stocks. Okay. Uh -huh. If you had just bought the S&P 500 in March of 2009, when everybody was panicking and freaking out uh, about the recession, about the great uh -huh. recession and about the stock market, well, that was the lowest point of the stock market in the last uh, 11 or 12 years or so. And so it has gone up since then. In fact, you would have made a 400% gain on your money wow. uh, if you had bought the S&P 500 at its lowest point, if you had bought while there, were, there was blood uh, in the streets, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that way, when you buy when everybody else is selling, you're capitalizing on the cycles, on the cyclical or wave-like motion of all these asset classes. And they all go through them, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, Bitcoin or, or other currencies, whether you invest in, in Forex, which is currency trading, uh, whatever it is, whether, whether you buy precious metals, real estate markets have cycles, uh, you want to buy when it's cheap. Okay. People right. understand this with so many things in life. They go to a store, they want a discount. They might haggle at the car dealership for uh, a lower price. 
-hmm. And yet when the price of their favorite stock or whatever it is goes down, they don't want to buy it because they're afraid. It's amazing Hmm. how, yes, how people can understand this fully in other areas of life. But when it comes to investing, suddenly uh, their emotions of fear take over (laughs) or greed. Uh, Oftentimes, greed is another toxic emotion for investing. Uh, They see that, uh, let's say right now, Tesla stock. Tesla, for those who don't know, is an electric car company. Mm -hmm. And it's based in California, uh, but they're uh, building a factory in China. It's it's a a very hyped up hot company right now. Uh, It went up from uh, less than $100.00. Uh, in a matter of just a couple of years, uh, all the way up to around eight or nine hundred dollars, the stock price. Mm-hmm. It's just going parabolic on a lot of hype. And people email me all the time. Should I buy Tesla? I say, well, uh, do you think this is the bottom or do you think we're closer to the top? If a stock goes very quickly from one hundred dollars a share to eight or nine hundred dollars a share, that's not when I'm buying. The time right. to buy when it was is when it was a hundred dollars and nobody was talking about it. Right. Not when everybody's talking about it. Not when it's on all, all over the news. Mm-hmm. Not when you can uh, turn on uh, CNBC or CNN or NS, MSNBC and they're all talking about Tesla. By the time they're talking about it, it's probably too late. Yes, it could still keep going up, but you're not going to get those huge gains you would have gotten if you had bought it. Uh, when nobody was talking about it and when the price was depressed. Right. Uh, so you've got to be what's called a contrarian in nature. Warren Buffett is a famous contrarian. Uh, and you got to kind of think like Warren Buffett and, and behave like Warren Buffett, whatever it is you're investing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you want to buy when it's low and you want to sell when it's high. But I guess my question would be then, how do you know? <laughs> and obviously you don't 100% because... That's part of the stock market, right? It's volatile. It's it's all over the place. But how, I mean, what are some signs of a company that could be about to rise or about to go up and it's at its bottom? Um, are there any hints or things you can look for? Is it just kind of trying to predict the future and see what's going to be popular five years down the road, a year down the road, a, a couple months down the road? I mean, how's the best way to kind of shop around and what are some signs we can look for? Sure. Uh, well, I'm not a big fan of predicting. Okay. Uh, I'm a fan of reacting. Don't predict, react. Uh, that's something, uh, that's like a mantra, <clears throat> excuse me, a mantra that I use with my coaching students. I tell my students over and over, uh, no predicting allowed. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually asked students to write it with a Sharpie marker uh, <laughs> on, a, on a sheet of paper and tape it to their computer monitor. Okay. Uh, now I've been doing this for a long time. Now uh, people all use their phones, uh, so it's harder to do that now. <laughs> harder to tape something to your phone, uh, right. but uh, you know, no predicting allowed because people, uh, you know, they they have this thing where they want to predict. It's natural. It's useful mm-hmm. in most areas of life, uh, but it's it's not a great idea in the stock market because human beings are terrible at predicting stocks. <laughs> Um, they're terrible at predicting in the investing world. Uh-huh. Humans have a poor track record of successful prediction, uh, including the so-called experts, including the so-called gurus or self-appointed gurus, uh, including uh, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all the big uh, firms, the financial firms. They make their predictions, and they're right half the time and the wrong half the time. Hmm. So. 
why play that game? Right. Don't predict. Where do you think it's going to go? Instead, react. Wait until a great company has gone down in price, hmm. uh, especially if it's gone down for no really permanent or no really good reason. Uh, now, if a company is is uh, just filed for Chapter 11, if they uh, filed for bankruptcy, uh, that 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 could be permanent. Okay, that's not right. the stock price will go down, but that's not a a, a good reason to buy. Uh, so you're looking for uh, panics, but temporary panics or overreactions. Uh, when uh, the investing community is overreacting to the downside, when it's selling more than it ought to, and so there's a mispricing in the markets. And that happens all the time. Otherwise, people like Warren Buffett and my father and myself wouldn't be able to make money if the mm -hmm. market priced everything perfectly. Uh, so oftentimes, uh, there will be, let's say, uh, a negative earnings report. Uh, big companies re are required to report earnings uh, or how they're doing financially four times a year, once every mm -hmm. three months. And let's take a company like Apple. Usually they have great earnings reports. They do what's called beating earnings. They beat earnings. Uh, so even a great company like Apple once in a while is going to miss earnings, meaning right. they'll have a less good earnings report. Uh, and what will happen when that, uh, again, that's just once in a while because it's, it's a great company, great leadership that uh, it checks all the boxes for me that I look for. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Tim Cook is, is a great, I mean, Steve Jobs, of course, uh, was the founder, uh, but you know I think Tim Cook is is a is a great uh, you know company corporate leader as well for Apple. Yeah. Uh, so you know I, I look for visionary leadership. I look for a strong uh, balance sheet, meaning they don't have a lot of debt and they have a lot of cash, free mm -hmm. free cash, free capital. Uh, I look for uh, good earnings reports more than bad ones. Okay, and Apple is an example of a company that misses earnings less often than they beat earnings. Right. Uh, and I'm I'm just checking for those telltale signs of whether they're profitable or are they bleeding money. You know, are they in debt or are they uh, you know consistently profitable? Are the revenues coming in? And I'm and so I'm looking at the financial news on Apple uh, every day or at least five days a week. Mm -hmm. And if it checks all those boxes for me, then I, I'm waiting for an excuse to buy, which would be if it goes down, but not because the company is really in trouble in a permanent way, like going bankrupt or something like that. But how about if they just have a rare uh, earnings miss? And maybe the earnings miss isn't even that bad. Uh, okay, so instead of selling 100 zillion iPhones, they only sold... Uh, you know, 50 zillion <laughs> iPhones. Right. Okay. They're still selling a ton of iPhones. All right. People are still willing to pay $1,200 for a phone to this company. So, and they're still selling them all over the world. Uh, okay. What often happens is the investing community, and it's really just a big auction. That's all the stock market is. It's right. just a big auction house. Uh, so uh, oftentimes They'll sell it too much. They'll push the price down more than they ought to unreasonably. And I love when that happens because that's a buying opportunity. There's blood in the streets for this one company. Right. And that's the time. Uh, if you've done your research and if you feel comfortable, then if you want to, you can get in it. Again, I don't tell people what to do. I am not a <laughs> registered or licensed investment advisor. I cannot tell you or anybody what to buy, what to sell. You have to make your own decisions at the end of the day. Right. But I can give people guidelines as to what 
I might do for myself and how I'm thinking. And I do help people to put together plans, investing plans, so they can continue to research on their own because I don't want to make anybody, uh, anybody dependent on me. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I buy the dips, as they say, when the stock price goes down, it's that's uh, called a dip. And uh, if it's only if it's a great company, though, and only mm-hmm. if there's nothing systemically or fundamentally wrong with the company, only if it's an overreaction that you can capitalize. It's a mispricing in the markets that won't last forever. It'll probably come back up because a company like Apple or McDonald's or Microsoft or Disney, every time it dips, it has always come back up. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but Mm -hmm. they always have. And so that's how you take advantage of other people's fear and greed and other toxic emotions. You can capitalize on that in the markets. Okay. Interesting. And so I I have two questions real quick, still kind of on this stocks topic. Um, One, I know that recently with Apple and a lot of other companies that have stakes in China, Apple does a lot of their manufacturing in China and they also sell a lot in China and other companies that have things going on in China have really been impacted by the coronavirus and all of that stuff that's going on over there. Is that an example of something where there might be a dip because of a temporary thing? But I mean, chances are the coronavirus is going to get under control and things are going to go back up, right? Is that the type of things that we're looking for? Yeah, this reminds me of back in uh, 2001 when there was a, you know, there was the very tragic uh, 9-11 situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this coronavirus uh, issue is also very tragic. And I certainly do not want to minimize yeah. the, uh, you know, the unfortunate tragedy that, that's happening right now. Uh, but back in 2001, uh, for those who are old enough to really remember this well, uh, there was an anthrax scare. People were receiving envelopes in the mail uh, back when not everybody had email. And there was what <laughs> I guess you can call it snail mail, you know, paper mail. People received in their mailboxes at home, uh, according to the news, uh, it was only a few people, uh, anthrax uh, in, in an envelope. And so there was a big scare that, that terrorist organizations were sending anthrax to people and this was all over the news wow. and the stock market went down and you had to have the presence of mind not to freak out, not to panic <laughs> and right. realize, which is not easy because in the midst of it, when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to see the big picture. It's hard to have that historical perspective where you realize that this too shall pass. Right. Uh, so, you know, and then, then came SARS, uh, which was 2002 to 2003, another big scare. And uh, again, a legitimate scare at the time. But for those who had the presence of mind to not only hold on to their investments, but to buy more uh, or, you know, or just buy if you're a first time buyer during scares like that, uh, then you, you could have taken advantage of something that's rather unfortunate, but on a, in a financial way, uh, that's something that can be capitalized upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're right in the midst of a, a virus right now that is spreading. And uh, it has brought uh, Apple and Microsoft and other companies down somewhat. Uh, I think it could bring them, bring them down more. 
Mm-hmm. So am I going to buy right in the midst of, of the scare? No. Uh, there's an old saying called, don't catch a falling knife. <laughs> uh, another, there are a lot of violent, uh, <laughs> you know, bad blood in the streets, catching falling <laughs> knives. There are a lot of violent uh, sayings in, in uh, finance for some reason. I guess so. <laughs> but uh, there you go. So don't catch a falling knife, meaning uh, if a stock is going down 3 4 5% uh, day after day, you don't want to buy right then, or at least you don't want to put all of your money that you were going to put into it. You don't put all of your money into anything, as as I mentioned earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. But whatever a smaller amount you were going to put into the company, uh, either don't don't do anything yet, or while while the stock's falling fast, or just put in some of it. Take a partial position. So if you were going to put in, uh, a, I don't know, just a thousand dollars into Apple right in the midst of the coronavirus scare, either put in zero for now or put in maybe a third of that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, $333 or put in half of that $500 uh, and then put in the rest later when the, when the scare subsides, when it looks like they uh, may be able to contain it. Right. Uh, Then it's, uh, I don't like to make predictions. I'm not going to say, Oh, the market's going to come back up after that. But I, mm-hmm. I will react and I'll look at history and say, uh, you know, Apple uh, stock got through uh, the anthrax scare and SARS and and the death, by the way, of Steve Jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. That was another overreaction because Apple stock went down after uh, Steve Jobs tragically passed away. Uh, the self-appointed gurus on television uh, we're all saying, oh, this could be the end of Apple, the legend, <laughs> you know, the, the, it's a cult of personality and the personality is not there anymore. And uh, cooler heads prevailed, though, because they said, OK, you know what? Uh, Apple is not only Steve Jobs. It's not only his personality. It's also a massive company with plant- all the, the checklist that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they he handpicked, uh, you know, Tim Cook. He's not going to handpick an idiot <laughs> to take right. over his company. And so it still had a visionary leader, very intelligent leader. Uh, they, they still had plenty of revenues coming in. People were still buying, um, you know, back then it was iPods. <laughs> right now it, it, it's <laughs> iPhones. But people are still buying Apple products and willing to pay a premium for them all over mm-hmm. the world. Uh, so if you if somebody had bought shares or bought more shares, again, not in the midst of the panic, but when things started to cool off a bit and were ready to potentially come back up, uh, that's a, that's a great time to buy on the dip, not mm-hmm. not in the midst midst of the panic, but when things are starting to cool off and and the investing community realizes or well, comes comes to their senses and realizes, oh wait a minute, this is still a good company. Uh, what was I thinking? And then they all rush in to buy again. Gotcha. So that's that's how that oftentimes works. No guarantees. Any company could conceivably go to zero. So be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no guarantees in the stock market, but we're playing the probabilities. And, and that's how I've made money over and over. Right. And I, we've been talking a lot about these big companies, right? Like Apple, Amazon, Tesla, Disney. Um, I've also heard a lot of people recommend to invest in penny stocks or smaller stocks so that because the chance of them doubling or increasing a lot or higher is that is that true and is should we look at those stocks too or is it easier to look at the big 
stocks like Apple and Amazon because you can see a history of the the dips and the rises. Sure. Uh, great question. Penny stocks, by the way, uh, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States, defines any stock share that trades for uh, $5 or less. So uh, I don't want people thinking that a penny stock means it's literally always going to be right. a penny. Uh, it can be a penny, uh, but uh, even if it's, uh, you know, less, uh, even if it's $4.99 per share, it's still considered a penny stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there is more risk with penny stocks. And actually okay. there are sub, there are sub penny stocks, which are less than a penny. They're a fraction of a penny. Uh, and those are uh, very risky. So be aware there is greater risk with these small cap companies, which are small companies, uh, that have penny stocks, low priced stocks. They can go up hundreds of percent, uh, very quickly or down, uh, <laughs> very quickly as well. <laughs> right. So people need to be aware that these companies often don't have a long standing history like uh, Ford would or Disney or McDonald's, something ExxonMobil, something like that. Um, and so since you don't have that long standing history, since they're smaller companies with less cash, less capital to work with, uh, they're usually not a brand name that's well known all over the world. Uh, so it is it is risky. Um for a first purchase for a beginner trader, I recommend starting with those bigger names that we mentioned. And I do help people with that through my coaching. Uh, I, I help people to decide for themselves uh, which companies are right for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd be more likely to lead somebody uh, in, into a, a Starbucks or a McDonald's or ExxonMobil, something like that at first. And then after uh, the client, you know, the student has become more experienced, maybe they can branch out into mid cap or even small cap penny stock types of companies, but only when they've uh, acquired some expertise. Um, Mm -hmm. And even then, a smaller allocation, smaller position sizes for smaller companies. Uh, Because again, there is greater risk and it's kind of an inverse uh, correlation. The greater the risk, the more volatile uh, the stock or or whatever it is the asset is, uh, the smaller the position size should be. So Mm -hmm. I'd be more into having somebody put uh, uh, more of their capital, still not too much, but more of their capital into a Coca-Cola than, let's say, uh, you know, a, a smaller, uh, I don't know, a silver mining company. Nothing wrong with silver miners. I, I like the silver miners. I like gold miners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, n- I would take a smaller position with the mining company uh, because mining companies, uh, you know, some of them make it, some of them don't. You know, they, they might hit the mother load or they, they might not. Right. Uh, whereas Coca-Cola uh, you know, has, has been around for a very, very long time. And uh, it's hard to imagine, no predicting here, but it's hard to imagine <laughs> with such a long history uh, that they're going to go uh, bankrupt anytime soon. Right. So that's how I often start, uh, start people out. Okay. Makes sense to me. And let's say I've never bought any stock before and I want to go purchase one. What's the best place to go? I know there's a lot of places out there. Some some will charge you fees, some won't. I, I've heard a lot about apps like Robinhood recently. Is that a great way to go or should we steer away from that? What's, what's a good place to start? Uh, I've heard about Robinhood, which uh, started a trend in commission-free or low-commission mm-hmm. trading and investing. 
Um, and uh, what's great about that is that uh, the commissions and the fees should not be a barrier to people who want to invest. Uh, so I think that's great. Uh, they, they've really democratized it in a way. They've made it yeah. more accessible uh, because back in the day, back in the 1980s, uh, you had to call somebody up. You had to call a broker up <laughs> uh, and talk to a guy <laughs> and uh, they would charge you 20 or 25 bucks to buy a stock and then 20 or 25 bucks to sell it. And it wasn't instant. You know, you had to talk to the guy and 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 then he would finally tell you when the trade was executed and, and so on wow. and so forth. <laughs> uh, nowadays, it's instantaneous right on your phone. Uh, and uh, because of the Robin Hood effect, as I call it, uh, there, are, there are many uh, other uh, brokerages that offer free or very low-priced uh, investing and trading, such as Schwab, uh, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade. Uh, so you can Google those. And check them out. Or Robinhood. Uh, I don't use Robinhood at the moment because it's phone only. Hmm. As far as I know, I, I, I don't quote me on that. Things change. Right. But the last time I checked, I believe it was uh, reportedly, allegedly, <laughs> got to cover my tracks here, reportedly and allegedly. <laughs> uh, the last time I checked, uh, Robinhood uh, was for phones. And uh, I, you know, I like to look at the big screen sometimes. Right. Uh, the desktop computer or the laptop, tablet, whatever. Uh, whereas Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, uh, they now also have uh, low or free, low-priced or free commission uh, trading and investing. And I, I can use those on my computer, uh, like the older person that I am. <laughs> and uh, for the for the young people who want to use their phones, maybe Robinhood is okay too. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I think it's good, but also kind of bad in a way because it's brought in a lot of beginners. It's made it so mm -hmm. accessible that some people are getting in without knowing what they're doing. Right. Uh, they've made it so easy that they, they therefore think that investing is easy. Uh, well, <laughs> right. like I said before, losing money is easy, <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, just because it's easy to get access to a brokerage account doesn't mean that investing itself is easy. You really want to know what you're doing. You want to have a mentor. I do offer the mentoring. It doesn't have to be me, but whoever you get to, to be your mentor, uh, you know, make sure that there's somebody who can guide you and help you to have a plan and really get to know you and know your needs uh, and, and your, uh, you know, factor in things like what is your account size? Mm -hmm. Because how you invest, how you trade is going to be different. Uh, what is your risk tolerance? Things like that. Um, you know, do you, do you want to, what is your time frame? Do you want to buy and hold for years or, or just for a few days or months? These all impact, greatly impact uh, what you're going to invest in and, and uh, how you're going to do it and how much. Right. So I, I, uh, I strive to help people through my YouTube videos, uh, but also through personalized coaching so they don't have to be lost. So they don't have to feel like they're alone in this or so, or hopefully so they don't make, uh, beginner mistakes that so many people are doing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that's super important. Having someone who knows what they're doing, who's been there before, who can kind of walk you through it. Um, and how much, how much extra money should we have sitting around before it's worth it to invest? Do you recommend as soon as you have any extra cash, you should start and start kind of learning the ropes or should you wait until you have a couple thousand or what's your recommendation there? 
yeah, you can start with as little as $500. It's harder to, to invest with $500 because you cannot buy uh, more expensive stocks like Amazon or Google, right. something like that, uh, which are over $1,000 right now a piece, believe it or not, the shares. But you can still buy some stocks, some of the less expensive ones like Ford mm -hmm. uh, is, is a very inexpensive stock. Right now, it's around $8 per share. So that's, I think most people can invest, can, can afford that, afford Ford. <laughs> there you go. Most people can afford <laughs> Ford. And uh, again, it's, it's a great old company. Old is good. Uh, and uh, what you can do is just buy, you, you just start buying one share if you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, now back, you know, back in the day when it was 20 or $25 to buy it and then the same amount to sell it uh, back when you had to trade over the phone. Uh, that was not worth it. But now right. with, with very low prices and fees, sometimes free, uh, as far as commissions and fees go for, for buying and selling stocks, you can buy one share and it, it can make sense. And you can collect dividends. And for mm -hmm. those who don't know, a dividend is uh, what these companies will do. Not every company. Uh, interestingly, Amazon and Google uh, do not offer dividends. Uh, but uh, most of the older companies do offer what's called dividends, where all you have to do is uh, buy a stock share, one or more shares of, of a stock, and then you hold on to the stock and uh, for a long time, months and months. And if the company offers dividends, then they'll pay you a little bit of cash money into your brokerage account, which is money for you to keep. Uh, yes, you have to pay taxes on it, so you don't get to mm -hmm. keep all of it. <laughs> and if there are fees or commissions, then that gets taken out. Right. But still, they give you a, a small cash payment, uh, and it's usually every three months or so. Not always. Uh, there are different time frames for dividend payments, but uh, the most popular one is every three months. Uh, you could find yourself potentially with a, a, a small cash payment in your account, and that's the company rewarding the shareholders, the stockholders, uh, for buying and holding on uh, and, and believing in the company uh, over time. And being faithful, they're they're being loyal to you if you're loyal to them, and so mm -hmm. you can uh, you know buy Ford or Disney or whatever and Exxon Mobil, and uh, they'll pay those uh, what, what we call the divvies, right? <laughs> the dividends, dividend payments, and just collect those over time. Warren Buffett loves dividends; uh, he loves to collect those payments because he holds for many years when he buys, typically, and uh, that's in addition to the hopefully the stock price itself going up. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're you're uh, benefiting financially in two different ways if you if you engage in dividend investing, uh, which is uh, another aspect of the investing game uh, that I teach and that I highly recommend. Awesome. Okay. Well, we have talked a lot about stocks. Um, let's move on a little bit more to some of those other things. I mean, in the very beginning, you talked about diversification and the importance of it. We've got precious metals, bonds, cryptocurrency, and we probably don't have time to dig in a whole lot to all of them. But tell me maybe some of the benefits and some of the pitfalls of each of these different other areas and reasons why we might want to look into them or might want to avoid them. Sure. Uh, I'll start with uh, probably my favorite uh, besides stocks uh, would be precious metals, which is uh, usually gold and silver. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, there's also platinum and palladium, things like that. But the easiest to get access to uh, would be gold followed by silver. 
Um, and there are many dealers. You can go to a local dealer. You can look online, but be careful. Again, this is where a mentor yeah. comes in to help you not get uh, ripped off or anything like that or overcharged. Uh, and again, I do offer uh, mentoring, coaching by Skype or by phone. But yeah, uh, gold and silver is something that you can hold on to. Uh, there, there's an old saying, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. Mm. That's something that uh, gold and silver, uh, physical precious metals investors oftentimes believe. Uh, now, I also invest in stocks. And so I don't necessarily believe that if you don't hold it in your hand, it, you know, it doesn't have to be tangible necessarily. Right. But uh, some people would say it does. And that's okay. Uh, if you are into the precious metals, uh, just make sure that uh, you have a safe place for it. All right. Uh, so oftentimes a, 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 you know, storage facility is recommended or, or a safe deposit box of some sort. Uh, and then you might want to insure it as well. And so there are costs hmm. associated with that uh, as well as shipping. If you don't pick it up yourself, um, or, you know, there, there are some companies that offer pretty, pretty reasonably priced uh, shipping and all that good stuff. Uh, and I, I do help people to, to, to attempt to locate, uh, uh, you know, uh, a shipper and, uh, you know, perhaps an online dealer that, that might be right for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so the advantages of precious metals, well, I mean, gold has been a, a store of value uh, for 5,000 years. Uh, mm -hmm. that's longer than any company that I know of. And so yeah. if you think, if you think Disney and McDonald's and Coca-Cola stocks are, are safe, longstanding and old, uh, types of investments, uh, gold is even older, right? Uh, nothing more old than gold. So, uh, you know, and, and then silver is kind of like gold's little brother. Uh, it's cheaper, uh, with, with gold being, let's say $1,600 an ounce, silver being only $18 uh, as mm -hmm. opposed to $1,600 uh, per ounce. And so th that could make it more accessible to people. Uh, and so what you can do is if, if you want to buy it, uh, whenever it dips, whenever it goes down, again, the, the principles don't change. The math mm -hmm. doesn't change. You're still buying yeah. low uh, with, the, uh, with an eye towards selling higher uh, or, or not selling at all. Uh, you know, Warren Buffett's favorite holding time is forever. That's a Warren Buffett saying. So he, he doesn't, he just collects the dividends. Now yeah. gold and silver, gold and silver do not have dividends, by the way. It's not a company. Uh, so it's just something you hold on to. Uh, oftentimes as a diversifier, uh, you know, if, if the stock market crashes, uh, hopefully maybe, uh, you know, gold and silver, since they're uncorrelated, might not uh, tumble down with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are advantages and disadvantages of, the, uh, of that. Um, and then as far as Bitcoin goes, uh, Bitcoin, it, if gold has a very old history, Bitcoin has, uh, well, it, it started in uh, 2009 as an alternative to uh, fiat or government issued currencies. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a grassroots movement in which uh, coders, mainly computer people, uh, wanted to just create their own currency that's outside of the government, not controlled by the government. Uh, because governments can print lots and lots of dollars or yen or, or whatever, lira, whatever it is, and they can uh, make the fiat money, the government money, less and less valuable. That's called inflation. Right. It's the reason that, uh, you know, wh when I was a kid, uh, a candy bar was uh, 25 cents, and now you can't find a candy bar for under a dollar where mm -hmm. I live. So, um, you know, that's inflation. 
meaning that your money, you know, it's not like the candy bar is any better <laughs> now right. than it was in the 1970s or 80s. So, uh, you know, the, the value of the dollar has gone down considerably over time, over years and decades. Uh, and so these coders wanted to uh, create a form of money that uh, they would only print 21 million bitcoins ever. Uh, and hopefully they're going to stick to that. They have since 2009 so far. Uh, so if they stick to that, then uh, there's no reason that inflation should happen to Bitcoin. And, and that's so why that's it has advantage. value, right? Because it's limited. I mean, it's kind of like gold. It only has value because it's rare. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, Am I getting this they right? might discover more gold, but there's only so much. There's a finite amount. Uh -huh. They're not going to discover more, more Bitcoin. Uh, right. And they're certainly, hopefully, I, I should say, not certainly. Uh, I don't want to predict. <laughs> Hopefully, they won't make any more. And so, uh, at if least you that's believe, the theory, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, if you believe in this grassroots movement, uh, then uh, you could invest in Bitcoin. Uh, and I do help people to find a a, a way to do that. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that so easily. Uh, I don't think you could just walk into most banks and and say, "Can I buy some Bitcoin?" or anything right. like that. Uh, and and I would say that uh, most traditional brokers. Uh, don't offer Bitcoin uh, yet. Uh, so you'd have to find uh, a Bitcoin broker and they are out there and I do help people to uh, locate the one that's right for them uh, with, you know, lower fees and that kind of thing. And that, that's reliable as well. Uh, you're mm -hmm. also going to want to uh, own a Bitcoin wallet. Uh, it, it, it's a whole complex system, uh, but it, it is doable. Uh, it's just, it's a little bit more advanced. It's a little bit riskier because conceivably it could, could go to zero. Right. Uh, doesn't mean I will go to zero, but Bitcoin, it, it could, I guess any investment really could go to zero. Uh, but Bitcoin, uh, put it this way, within the span of a year, uh, Bitcoin went uh, from $1,000 per Bitcoin to 20, 000, almost $20,000 per wow. Bitcoin. And then uh, within less than a year after that, it went down to $3,500 a Bitcoin. Now wow. it's around $9,000 a Bitcoin. So it, it moves, it, it, mm -hmm. it wild swings. And that's what's called volatility, the wild swings in price up and down. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not for everybody, but it is a diversifier and uh, it is interesting. So it may be worth considering it if, you, if you've had enough of the inflation uh, that you see in government money, like US dollars and that kind of thing. Right. And I yep. imagine since it swings so much, if you can play it right, if you can buy it when it's cheap and sell it when it's high, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. But once again, a lot of risk, right? And that's why the smaller position size, the more volatile or risky the investment is. Uh, we talked about smaller cap, penny stock type of companies versus uh, large cap, you know, big giant companies, uh, smaller companies, smaller positions, mm -hmm. smaller position sizes. Uh, so Bitcoin, smaller position size. Don't be that guy who mortgaged his house to buy Bitcoin at the worst right. possible time. He did it when it was fairly close to the, the peak at $20,000 of Bitcoin. Wow. Uh, now it's less than half of that. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know how that guy's doing now, but he's probably not too happy. So uh, yeah, definitely recommend smaller position sizes. And there are other cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is a type of crypto currency, meaning, uh, you know, these are currencies, these are coins that were, uh, you know, for the people and by the people, uh, as mm -hmm. opposed to by the government. Uh, and, and they're all digital 
they're all uh, you know coders and computer people uh, invented them, and and uh, it's kind of the re revenge of the nerds, so to speak. <laughs> but right. it, it, I think it's pretty cool. I think it has potential. But uh, just be careful and make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you have a mentor once again. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I, I can kind of see that theme as we're going throughout this entire episode is there's a lot of opportunity, but you really want to have someone who kind of knows what they're doing, be able to walk you through the process. And, and thank you so much, David, for doing that for us here on Success Quest. If you guys are interested at all in getting into investing, definitely reach out to David. Um, you've already mentioned your email address. What are some other places that we should check you out, David? Yeah, once again, email address David Modell, M-O-A-D-E-L, at gmail.com. Uh, you can check me out on YouTube. Uh, I have over 500 videos up there right now. People can watch them for free right now. Uh, just type in David Modell, M-O-A-D-E-L, uh, into the little box, search box on YouTube. You'll find me easily enough. Not a lot of Modells that spell it the way I do. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's called Looking at the Markets with David Modell. I invite people to, uh, you know, subscribe and check out my videos. Why not? Um, you know, even if you don't want the personalized coaching, at least you can get some, some free ideas right now that can help you to avoid disaster and even hopefully potentially to be profitable. Absolutely. And you have a podcast too, don't you? Uh, well, I, you know, I use the YouTube channel as my podcast. Oh, I've shifted over okay. to only YouTube. Uh, I mean, I also have Twitter, uh, you know, at David Modell and all that good stuff. LinkedIn, Stock Twits, which is uh, kind of the StockTwits.com is kind of the uh, the Twitter of of the uh, stock verse. Hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm you know I, I'm a user of that. Uh, Facebook, uh, I'm in a number of Facebook groups, financial Facebook groups. So I, I'm easy to find. Uh, but you know, I I've found that YouTube, I, I can do the visuals along with the audio. Mm -hmm. And I can really reach a lot of people that way, make that yeah. connection, do live streams if I want to, all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, just find me on, find me on YouTube. It's, uh, you know, it, it'll be it'll be a mentor or at least somebody who can give you some ideas for you to think about. Awesome. Makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you so much, David. Like I said, I will definitely put that information in the show notes. So please check him out, everyone who is listening. Um, thank you again, David. And Honestly, we probably could have talked for a couple more hours. I mean, we barely even touched on precious metals and cryptocurrencies and stuff. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. 